Thanks Jordan for leading us. Sunday school is on the way out. And uh, please make use of that children. Thanks Jordan for also bringing up about singing. I've also been reminded last week the important place of singing. This is a footnote or a front note to our sermon by the way. But it is in our text. Now why do we sing? Why do we sing? Well, last week we read in Colossians, even though I didn't make any comment on it, is that let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, within you, with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another, visitors, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. That's what we sing. Okay? We not only teach it and watch one another, you know, we sing these wonderful gospel songs like we've just sung, and, and um, glory to the name of the Lord. And, and, but I believe it sort of carries over as well, um, you know, with thankfulness in your heart. Um, you know, that, that's, a, uh, that's an emotion, right? It's an emotion that needs to be expressed. And um, that's why we sing. And so, it's really good to exercise our emotions because God gave us emotions in singing praises and thankfulness and gratitude to God and our from our hearts in the form of singing and um, at the same time we teach one another punish one another with songs so that's why we sing and that's why we need to sing and so let's not forget that okay let's just turn and open the scriptures to Colossians chapter 3 and um, and the title of our sermon today is Change Life and Our Relationships and we're going to be, you'll pick this up soon, but we're going to read a few verses, but even though we'll only be speaking on two. So pick up at Colossians chapter 3, please, in verse 18, and we'll read right through to the verse 1 of chapter 4. So Colossians chapter 3. Wives, be subject to your husbands as is fitting in the law. Husbands, love your wives and do not be embittered against them. Children, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not exasperate your children, so that they will not lose heart. Verse 22, Slaves in all things, obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external service as those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do your work heartily, as for the Lord, rather than for men knowing that from the Lord you will receive reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. For he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong, which he has done, and that without partiality. Masters, grant to your slaves justice and fairness, knowing that you too have a master in heaven. God will bless his word uh, to us. Over the last few weeks, um, we've been going through this living the changed life, um, and changed because Jesus Christ has made the change, right? We look back to chapter 2, he's made us alive, he's renewed us. And, um, and so we've seen a few um, uh, illustrations of that. The last few weeks we even had the idea that we were in a spiritual gymnasium where we have to get rid of all those destructive habits but at the same time, we are in a spiritual wardrobe where we have to put on the graces of Christ. And we read of some of those being things like um, 
compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience and forbearing one another and forgiving one another. Those are the things we're going to put on. And, um, and so this is very much in the, um, in, in, the, in the public arena, in the life of the church. This is the changed life that we expect to see in people, in the church. But now Paul does a kind of shift. He shifts from the public arena and now he comes to a more private arena and guess where that is? In the home. After all, we must take our faith home, that's right. Our faith must be taken home. And this is where we are. Because it's, it's not only in church that our newness in Christ is to be, is to be displayed and adorned. It's not only in church. And so what Paul does here is he pulls us back to the most important social institution in the world. He begins in the home. The true test of a changed life in Jesus Christ. It's not only in how we relate to one another as believers, but how we relate to those in our home. I well remember once years ago when I was young, much younger, an Irish preacher, he was at our church and he was telling us, he told us many stories of wonderful conversions and he was a great tent campaigner and I'm not too sure whether he was the preacher of this tent campaign or not back in Ireland but he was telling us a story of this drunk who got amazingly converted and, um, and his nightly Escapade was after work he'd go home and he would get literally rolling drunk and he would stagger home and he would wreak havoc on the way and he would wreak havoc when he was in the home. That was his lifestyle. But anyway, on one of his trips home, even in his drunken state, I believe, if I can remember rightly, he went to this tent meeting and it caught his attention. And so the next night, I said, well, rather than go to the pub, I'm going to go to this tent meeting, because I'm interested in what that preacher has to say. Long story short, the, the guy got saved. He got soundly converted. Okay, He got soundly converted. And he went home that evening, not staggering and wreaking havoc, but rejoicing and thanking and praising God for the deliverance from the bondage of drink and from the bondage of sin, and that he was eternally secure. He was rejoicing in that. And, and such was the change in this man that when he went and opened the door, the own family dog came out and bit him. Now, that's a change, right? This guy didn't change. Well, that's where Paul takes us in this section. But first of all, he gives us a word to the wives. Okay? And, can I say, would-be wives. Okay? A word to the wives. Wives, be subject to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. We see that in verse 18. Now, you will know as well as I do that this clear, straightforward command and principle of submission, it's scorned, it's ridiculed, it's pulled apart, it's challenged like nothing else in our today's world, right? And sad to say, even amongst evangelical circles, there is great division on this. There are those who deem that this is not part of the inspired word of God and it's purely Paul's 
chauvinistic, rabbinical bias on things, and so it shouldn't be there. You have all sorts of those, those sorts of excuses. But the main thrust amongst against this submission word is by those who say that this is purely cultural, the main thrust I'm talking about within the Christian camp. They would say that this is purely cultural and it cannot be carried over into our modern day because it just has no relevance. That would be the main thrust of the argument that many Christians, dare I say, would put. I always smile when I come across this because it really shows up the inconsistency of their interpretation method. You know why? Because they will not carry over that interpretation method to the next verse where it says, husbands love your wives. See what I mean? Because no one would say that it's not relevant for husbands to love their wives, right? So it really um, uh, puts a, a question mark on their interpretation methods. All this is to say, all this is to say that any attack, any attack or compromise on the straightforward command that we have in Scripture here, um, on the principle and role and conduct of a husband and wife, it will deal destructive injuries to a marriage. Any compromise and any change, that's what it'll do. You see, when a woman submits to the loving leadership of her husband and follows God's intention for her, she is fulfilled, and so is her husband. And any attempt or effort to change or reverse these roles of a husband and wife will destroy the blessing God designed for them and uh, to, to each other. But we get real prickly, don't we? We get real prickly on this word submit. Our natural inclination, I'm just thinking of it generally here, even generally, I'm not talking about necessarily out of even in marriage bond, but just the word submit, whoever to. You know, we're all going to submit. We're going to submit to our bosses, we're going to submit to law and order, we've got to submit to a whole lot of things. But generally speaking, we get real prickly over submitting because our natural tendencies is that is to rebel against them. We have the selfish streak, can I say, in all of us that panders to the idea of being independent, that self-made person who depends and submits to no one or anything. Now that may be a bit of an overstatement, but I'm using that overstatement to, exaggerate, to uh, explain the point. We do tend to lean that way in the flesh. But for the believer, submission is part and parcel of living the changed life of Jesus Christ. Submission is what brings glory to God, and that's a plain and simple truth, that's all there is. Submission means, this is what it means, it means subjecting oneself. It has, it has behind it the idea of pulling oneself under. Pulling oneself under, not by compulsion, but willingness, a willingness to come under the, the leader or a designated headship. That's, that's, that's the meaning of the word behind it. The same word is used of Jesus in uh, Luke chapter 2 verse 51 when he, was, when he was under subjection of his own earthly parents. Same word is used there. 
Paul uses this word in, in Romans chapter 8 verse 7 in instructing believers to submit to the, to the commands of God's law. And he uses it again when he, when he um, commands believers to submit to governing authorities in Romans chapter 13 verse 1 and 5. But now here in our text in Galatians, Paul's word to, to wives is be subject to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Of course, we have to go elsewhere to get a lot clearer understanding of what this is. And um, so we must read it in conjunction with its parallel passage, and I've got this up here, in Ephesians 5, 22-24. Okay? It says, Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is also the head of the church, uh, he himself being the saviour of the body. But as... The church is subject to Christ, so also wives ought to be subject in everything. Now, it's important that we note several things here as we think about this submission deal. The passage we just read in Ephesians, we, first of all we need to note that the context that it's in, right? And the context is really explained in a verse that's in verse 21 of that passage, and this is why I'll just say this to you, it says, be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. So just the verse prior of that, this is what it says, be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. So it sets the context of what submission is about. In other words, subjection is not about one person being boss and the other person being a servant. It's about being different but equal. You got that? Secondly, we need to note that a wife is to be submissive to her own husband. Not to every husband. Well, not to every other man. But to her own husband. To her head. And thirdly, we need to note about this, that this is a spiritual duty. It's a spiritual duty. It's something you do out of love for the Lord. Now, your husband may not deserve this kind of support. He may not. But you do this because it's God's way. You do it as unto the Lord. So it's a spiritual duty. And fourthly, thinking about this submission and coming back to our text in Galatians, the submission is not absolute. In Galatians we read, as is fitting in the Lord. It's not absolute. In other words, if a husband asks a wife to do something that is contrary to God's word, the wife has every right and perhaps an obligation to obey God rather than a husband. So it's not absolute. You see, folks, God designated this submission to take place in the context of a loving relationship that willingly submits to right headship. That's what this is about. And where do I get that from? Well, we have the supreme example of this kind of relationship between Jesus Christ and his Father and with the church. Paul explains this in 1 Corinthians 11.13. He says, The head of every man is Christ, the head of a woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. You see that? So here we have the submission and headship blueprint for us to follow in our lives and in our marriages. Submission, can I say, is the success key for how God has designed 
not only just marriages, but has designed creation, redemption, the church, and, and for families to operate. Submission is the success key. That's how God has ordered it. That's how he's arranged it. That's how he's designed it. So as Christ submitted himself, and remember, although being equal in the Godhead, but he submitted himself, who to? To his Father, as his head, as that happened, the husband is to, is, is to submit to Christ. And the wife is to submit to her husband as God has designed. There's the order. And we dare not duck and dive and try and change that. Like so many are sadly doing today. That's how it's meant to be. Which means headship, which means headship has nothing to do with equality or intelligence or value. It's nothing to do with that. Why? Because the Father and the Son, although being separate, are equal, right? God the Son is as much God as God the Father is. We know that. Equality in the, in, in the, in the Godhead. And yet we read that the head of Christ is God. And so too are men and women equal in value and in dignity. They are. This is the way God designed things. It's his prerogative to do so. It's not that husbands are more valuable, gifted or capable or anything like that than wives. But simply, simply this, someone has to be the leader. And God has given us the blueprint. God has placed a husband to be the leader in the home and he's commanded wives to willing to submit to that divinely designed headship. Now, with this understanding, and don't take my word for it, be drawn to the scriptures. With this understanding, we ask, well, what does it really mean to submit? What does it look like? Well, we can go on you all day giving illustrations of what it means to submit. But let's get practical here, right? Let's get practical. And I pray with much gentleness on my part. And I'm sure you'll want that, ladies. So here goes. It doesn't mean, for instance, it doesn't mean for wives to be yes sir, no sir, is there anything else I can do for you sir kind of approach. It doesn't mean that. I'd call that slavish. See Karen raising her eyebrows. Okay. That's slavish. <laughs> In agreement. That's slavish mentality. Submission is all about, listen to this, submission is all about encouraging and supporting someone to lead and then following their leadership. You got that? Practically it means your support, your respect and working with your husband. Wayne Mack, I've used him for a long, long time in uh, family life uh, lectures that I used to take at um, ACM and, and still do use him. Jordan and Jenna will be familiar with him by now um, in marriage guidance counselling. But Wayne Mack says it like this, Submission means that the wife puts all her talents, abilities, resources, energy at her husband's disposal. Submission means that the wife yields and uses her abilities under the management of her husband for the good of her husband and the family. Submission means that she sees herself as being part of her husband's team. End quote. Submission also means that there will be certain things you do 
and you will not do it. And so let's get real close up and personal. And uh, because this is where the rubber hits the road. And allow me to, to do this. Submission also will mean things like wife, you will never correct your husband in public. It means that you will share your feelings without attacking him. You know what that makes men do, generally speaking? I'm a man, right? And I think I'm pretty ordinary. Attacking them or, or, or rebuking them in public or correcting them in public, it makes men defensive. And, and, and makes them get really prickly. It's far better to simply ask for help than to attack us, ladies. Really, it is. It's far better to ask us. You know, we, and why is that? I'll tell you why. We males are, are wired this way. We're wired to, to rescue and defend and protect. You know, the, there's a fair bit of that in us. We defend us and rescue us and protect us. That's what we do. And we will fight like a vicious guard dog when attacked by whoever. That's how it goes down. So don't call us insensitive slackers for not maybe changing the baby's naps when they should have been changed or not doing the dishes when we should have been doing it. Now it may be true that we are insensitive slackers. Probably very, very true. But better than attack, ask us. Ask us. Would you help me by attending the Johnny, please? Or it would be immensely helpful to me if you could do the dishes tonight, though. You see, generally us guys, I'm speaking from the heart here, generally us guys, we cannot ignore that kind of a request. Honestly. And if someone does, you come and talk to me and I'll have a word to it. Huh? Okay? We, generally speaking, we cannot ignore that kind of request because you know why? Because it reflects on our roles as builders and protectors and defenders of our home and family. It reflects on us. Also wives and future wives here, remember this. Your husband will not want to hear repeatedly about the mistakes he's made. Yes, and we do make plenty, some more than others. And he won't want to hear that. Why is that? Because we're also wired, generally speaking, us guys, we're also wired with a longing to be successful. That's how we are. We have, we, we're built to, to have, with this longing to be successful, we have an, this inbuilt drive to be successful leaders and, and make positive progress in building and leading and nurturing the family. That's how we are. We want to do well in that area. So wives, can I suggest that you learn to underscore what hubby does well? Okay? Rather than pointing what he does a shocking job at. And all this, what we'd see is that submission is, 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 it's not about worth or value. It's all about God's way of, of structure and, and, and headship in the home and, and that headship being submitted to. But you might ask, 
You might ask, and a good question, but what about the husband who was a terrible, abusive man? It happens, right? Said so. And even among Christian homes. Let me clarify here that there's no room in any marriage for physical or sexual abuse. No room whatsoever. That behaviour needs to stop immediately, even if it means the wife leaving her husband for that to happen. But, okay, what about the guy who is not real supportive and isn't a believer? Well, Peter gives real clear instruction on this and I can't explain it any better than he can. Apostle Peter says this in 1 Peter 3, 1, 2. Wives, in the same way be submissive to your husbands so that if in any of them do not believe the word they may be won over without words by the behaviour of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. 1 Peter 3, 1, 2. Here's the answer. Your changed life that displays compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience and forbearing and, and love, that is what God will use to make a difference if He so pleases. Not your lectures and not your badgering, but showing Him Jesus Christ in your life. Wives, be subject to your husbands as a spitting in the Lord. Okay, second point. Paul gives the husband a serve here too. And he gives it in the form of a commandment that's in two parts. And he says that they must love their wives and be not embittered against them. Okay, I'll just go back from there and leave it there. The first part is, is, um, is centred on the love word. Okay, the first part of this commandment. Uh, which in today's world, world, by the way, as you will know, uh, has many different meanings according to our culture or in culture's interpretation. But, but this biblical word for love here, it's set in a tense of being a love that is willingly and continuously action, in action towards its object. Okay? So it's, it's something that began and continues and never stops. That's the idea of this biblical word, love here. We call it agape love. It's a love that began and is ongoing because of choice. That's another aspect of this love word. It's it's a covenantal kind of love. It's a covenant kind of love. In other words, it could be correctly translated here and saying, husbands, keep on loving your wives. That's the command. The love that existed at the start of your marriage is commanded for you to continue throughout your marriage. That's what's commanded. But once again, to look at this subject, this topic, we need to go a little bit further and look at its parallel passage in, uh, parallel passage in Ephesians 5 and uh, it explains it like this. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle in any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought also to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. And as I read that, as I read that, 
I couldn't help thinking that, man, the ladies have got a better part of the deal here. The wives have got the better side of the deal. They've got really no reason to complain or get all prickly about having to submit. Really, they haven't. Because it's the husband that has to be so devoted to his wife that he is to willingly give his life, if need be, to protect and save and develop her. That's the measure of love. No cost will be too great to the man who loves his wife as Christ loves. Now you tell me that's the most difficult task. Falls on our shoulders, man. You see, if the biblical wife is to submit herself to her husband to the extent that she willingly lives for him, the biblical husband is to love his wife to the extent that he would willingly die for her. So, wives, do you live for your husbands? Husbands? No cost too great, would you willingly die for your wife? Because that's what this love is all about. This is superlative love. It's, it's love that goes way beyond any feeling or emotion, although emotions are certainly involved. Once again, wives, come and tell me if there's a husband that's emotionless, I'll have a chat to him. This love is all about choice and commitment. It's, a, it's about leading and loving. And where do we get this from? Just simply, as Christ, there, there's the measure, as Christ, before the foundation of the world, chose all those who would believe in Him. Right? From then on, He committed Himself in covenant love toward us. In grace, He set His heart of love upon us. Unconditionally. Unconditionally. His love never fails, right? He is our head. He is our lover. He's a lover of our souls. Now, men, that is the standard of love God commands us to love our wives with. That's the measure. Will we ever reach it? No, but that's the goal. That's what we need to put the plumb line with our life, with his life, and with his love. This means that your love... For your wife, will, it'll bear all things, it'll believe all things, it'll hope all things, it'll endure all things. Why is that? It is because the love of Christ never fails. First Corinthians 13, 4-8. So neither should your love for your wife ever fail. Another description of our love commitment is that Christ-like love, it does nothing out of selfishness. It does nothing out of empty conceit. But with humility of mind, it regards one another as more important than yourself. Christ-like love does not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. We have that in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. What a task we have. What a task. Our sacrificial love commitment to our wives, it's something that needs to be nurtured. It needs to be cared for. And in that caring and nurturing it will involve your emotional engagement, absolutely. It will involve action. It will demand that you, husband, be a leader and your wife's lover. Husband or husband-to-be, no matter what, 
you are commanded to love your wife and not be embittered against her. Okay? No matter what. Allow me to quote Wayne Mack again. I love his touch of humour in this. The husband promises to be faithful even if the wife loses her beauty and appeal. Even if she is not as neat and tidy as, and submissive as he would like her to be. Even if she does not satisfy his sexual desires completely. Even if she spends money foolishly or is a terrible cook. You keep on loving her. And so as the wife asks, what does it mean to submit? Us husbands need to know what it means to love, right? I'm sure you ladies would agree with that. So let's get practical. Let's come down to the nitty gritty where the love rubber hits the road. And we'll see this, that to love your wife means to love her authentically. What does that mean? You see, Jesus himself was under no illusions because we go back to the love of our Lord Jesus. Jesus was under no illusions who we were before we are saved and also he's under no illusions as to who we are in our bodies right now. What we're thinking, what we do, what we don't do, our attitudes, etc., etc. He's under no illusions. And what I say, as we look into our own hearts, men, that's often not too pretty. He knew and he knows all our faults, Jesus does. And you know what? He loves us in spite of them. Isn't that awesome? In spite of them, our often failings, our often slip-ups, our often sinfulness, our sinfulness in our thinking, in our actions, in our words, and in our attitude, in spite of them, He still loves you. He did not wait until we showed some improvement before moving in love towards us. He loves us, as I say, warts and all, and some of us have a whole heap of them. In the same way, in the same way, as men, we are to love our wives for who they are, not for what we might want them to be. Love them pathetically. Secondly, we need to love our wives sacrificially. Now this is not, when I speak sacrificially here, it's not about giving them your car or your golf clubs, so no worry Pete, um, uh, or your credit card or, um, uh, or your paycheck, like a lot of them, I know a lot of you, you do. It's not about that. It's about giving them a whole lot more. It's about giving them yourselves. That's what this is about. I've got no time in marriages really for, I'll I, I put it this way, I, I really struggle when people, when, when a couple get married and as time goes on, okay, you have your time, I'll have my time. What? I can understand guys doing this thing, but you know, yeah, that's why I love shared bank accounts here. Man, we're one. That's what marriage is, right? We become one flesh. You become one. And so, we need to give them ourselves. And I believe us men really fail on this. Really fail on this. You know, we tend to take our wives for granted. Especially after the honeymoon is over. And we need to think about this. 
We too easily slip into ranking our relationship with our wife as not important and values as it once was. And that could be for a whole host of reasons. It could be with success driven or whatever. But what happens is other priorities too easily puts our wife and family down several rungs in our priorities ladder. That's what it does. And that's not sacrificial love, folks. Men. It isn't. We need our wife and family to know with confidence, with absolute confidence, because this is what they long for. They need to know with confidence that we, their husbands, are, or they as our wives, are at the top of our human priority ladder. Men, our wives, are too die for people. And not anything less. I think I might have shared with this a few weeks ago. My wife and I often ask sweet words, real uh, personal here. Darling, am I the best human thing that's ever happened to you? <laughs> oh, I love that. And um, yeah, I don't have to think too long and say absolutely. That's how it's got to be, guys. You've got to give everything. Thirdly, you need to love your wife purposefully. Purposefully. You know, it's awesome how the Lord works continually with his bride, right? And, and we, uh, with his church. And, and we're all living examples of that. Those of us who know Jesus Christ as Saviour, we're all living examples of that. You know, we're growing in the faith. And, and, the, and the Lord has to sometimes discipline us, but it's all for our glory and, and for our spiritual betterment and our growth. He nurtures us. We call this big word sanctification. He sanctifies us. And um, by the washing of the water, the regeneration of the word of God, and by coming together like this, he grows us spiritually, right? And God willing, we go from strength to strength in our faith. He nurtures us. And he develops us. He doesn't want us to be saved and stay stagnant. That's not God's intention. And actually, I don't believe it will ever happen. To a genuine believer. Some progress more than others and slower than others, but there's still progress and development. It's a similar way, folks. It's a similar way. And that's why, because God loves us, right? And remember, this is the measurement. In a similar way, that's how a husband needs to love his wife. A husband's job is this. It is to help his wife become all that God created her to be. He is to encourage her. He is to develop her talents. And believe it or not, men, they have whole heaps that you probably don't even realise yet. He is to develop her talents and he is to help her be the best she can be. Did you hear that? That's your job. Where do we get that from? Isn't that what Christ does to his church? Going right back? Well, why, what, what's that going to do with me? Husbands, you've got to love your wife as Christ loved the church. This means that, husband, that, that you will be giving your wife heaps of praise and compliments for what she diligently puts her hand to. Even when she does a far better job at something than you can. Be encouragers of her abilities, not threaten discouragers, especially when she excels. You need to love her personally. We have to love our wives like we love our own bodies. And as I'm looking around here, I see everyone's done their hair, and, uh, well, most of you guys. <laughs> And um, 
you dressed up reasonably well, well, most of you guys. Um, yeah, you're probably shouty the last night or this morning. Uh, even in those personal things, you've looked after yourself. You know, you didn't trip over the mat when you came in. I hope you didn't, because you knew that if you tripped, you would hurt yourself. Every single one of us, men and women, we're wired to look after ourselves, right? That's just how the self-preservation. We have this instinct to look after ourselves. But here the focus is on men. As you look after your own body and are concerned about your own well-being, that is the concern and love you have to pour out towards your life. Because this is what one flesh is all about, right? Jordan and Jenna, they're going to get married in September. They're two individual people as yet, but then they'll be one unit. Sorry for using you as the illustration here. They're going to be one unit. One unit, they're going to be together. And they'll be learning to do things together. They'll be seen as one unit. Men, we love our lives personally. After all, this is what it means to be made one flesh, as I said. Fifthly, you need to love your wife spiritually. This is what love means. You need to love your wife spiritually. In First Peter chapter 3, verse 7, it's got an interesting little uh, section there on... Um, on, on marriage and particularly husbands and so forth. And First uh, Peter three seven it ends to say it says that uh, we should care for our wives in this way, so that nothing will hinder our prayers. That's what it says. Our care for our wives should be such because we don't want anything to hinder our prayers. And it's a pretty serious statement. You have a look at that yourself. First Peter chapter three verse seven. I wonder if you understood or knew that our relationship to our spouse affects our spiritual life. You know that? It does. It affects our spiritual life. I know it heaps and heaps of times over and over again. How true it is, folks, that when things are not as they should be in the Christian home, spiritually we flounder, right? Everything sort of goes to custard. And one of the first things that goes out the door, hopefully it was there in the first place, is prayer. And so Christian husband, if you are here today and you are not praying with your wife, you get down and start doing that. I even encourage people before they get married to start praying with their future spouse. What a fantastic practice. There's a lot of truth in that saying, you know. Families who pray together stay together. A lot of truth in that. As husband, your wife, As husband of your wife, you are her lover and her leader. You need to love her spiritually. Like a sister in the Lord, but at the same time, as your wife. And so you pray with her, and develop her, and you let nothing hinder that spiritual work. Which must include prayer, and must include growing and developing. Okay, as a short sum up here, here it is. Listen carefully now. If husbands love their wives, you got that? If husbands love their wives as Christ loves the church, husbands would see loving submission, okay? From their wives. I'll read it again. If husbands love their wives as Christ loved the church, husbands would see loving submission. A wife most pleases her husband with loving submission while he pleases her with loving authority. That's the ideal, folks. That's the ideal. That's what we're going to shoot for. 
May God bless his word to us in this little two verses. But I want to leave something here as a footnote. Something I just came up, would you believe, Facebook the other day. I don't know who put it out. I thought, oh, that's pretty cool. I've got to put this out. Take this in as fathers, husbands, because the way you love your wife will affect your family. Thank you, George.